0: Good morning, church. Are you for real right now? Good morning, church. Thank you. Holy smokes, man. It is awesome to be here. Man, if you are new with us, you're a guest with us this morning, let me just tell you, that's how we throw down some worship around here. Vertical is not about what we're doing, it's about who who we're focusing on. Come and meet the Father, spend time with Him, watch Him radically change your life, Through His Son Jesus Christ, and we hope that when your time with us, that you feel that truly that God loves you, because every person has a name, and every person, every name matters to God, and you matter to Him, and He wants to you to know that how much He loves you this morning. As uh, we get going today, open your Bibles, gang. If we go to Romans chapter thirteen, we're going to jump into this. Uh, Romans chapter thirteen. We're going to be starting at verse eleven this morning. Uh, but before we jump in to get into this, I want to share where we're going next. I always like to give a little sneak peek of what's taking place, where we're going. I don't know about you. I love teaser trailers when things like that. I'm like, oh, it's coming, it's coming. Uh, maybe you're not like me. That's okay. Um, but where we're going next. Next week, we kick off a new series called Counterfeit Christian. Oh, yeah, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> Counterfeit Christian. And this is what this series is going to do. is We're going to walk through the book of 1 John together. And we're going to have some honest conversations of what it means to live for for Jesus. And we're going to ask ourselves a really hard question every single week throughout the five weeks of the series. Am I a counterfeit Christian or am I the real deal? It gets exciting, doesn't it? But that's what we're going to do. We're going to go through this. And this is why... It's important for us to know what it truly means to follow Jesus. It's important for us to know, if we're honest, there's things in our lives that don't honor Jesus, and we got to figure out what they are and how to start living more an authentic, authentic life with Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're going to be digging through this. we're walking through this series, have an honest conversation of what that looks like. And Because here's the deal. When someone... Someone has a counterfeit, some of those counterfeit teams that say, okay, this is a counterfeit bill. There's teams of people who try to figure this stuff out. You know, when someone makes those 20s, those 50s, those 100s, some of you printed them off this morning before you came. <laughs> I'm just joking. You wouldn't do that. Listen, so what they do, they don't go around training on all the different types of counterfeits, right? They don't do that because there's too many of them. What they focus on, focus on is the original what does the real deal $100 bill look like? And so when a counterfeit enters the room, when it hits the table, they know a shadow of a doubt that it's a counterfeit, it's a fake. Why? Because they understand what the authentic is. And that's the purpose of this series. So we can understand what the authentic is and something in our life or enters our life that is fake. It doesn't belong to a, someone who says they follow Jesus. That's where we're gonna go. But in order to understand what a, a counterfeit is we need to understand what an authentic does and that's where we're gonna be walking through this series and on your car and your seat this morning there are some cards and what i want you to do this is going to be very very intimidating i want you to take these cards and i want you to hand them to someone that you know that doesn't have a relationship with jesus christ and invite them to come to hang out with us at church because you know what they're thinking they're thinking that about a bunch of church people or they're a bunch of hypocrites they say they want to live one way, but they live another. So what we want to do is we want them to invite them to come in to see what a, what a true follower of Jesus lives like. And then they're going to look at us and going to go, so, how are you doing, Rich? And we're going to go, I'm doing fine. I'll see you later, right? We're going to leave. No, we're going to be challenged. We're going to be challenged as a church to live differently for Jesus Christ. Why? Because a church is supposed to be different than the rest of the world. So that's where we're going next week. I hope you invite someone. I hope you come back for reals. I know it's going to be a tough series, but I think it's a series that we're going to walk through. It's going to open our hearts and our minds to what God really wants from us. So creature of habit, life on a routine, clicking on the autopilot and just letting life go by. I don't care what you call it or how you say it. There's a large portion of our lives that's lived without us paying attention to it. 40% corner studies, almost half of our percent, half of our lives are lived, and we don't even pay attention to it. We just go through our normal routines every single day. And as we walk through this series, we understand that, you know, we have habits in our lives that are very powerful. Understanding that who we are, or who we're becoming, is greatly influenced by the, the habits we're living. And it's been my hope in this series is that we would be honest, that we would be real, that we start being intentional by popping the hood in life and truly looking at our lives for what they are. That you and I will start building a life that never says only if. That never says only if I stop this. Never says only if I had started this six months earlier. Never if. That you and I will start seeing the things in our lives for what they are. And we'll start building a life that embraces everything for, that God has for us. And we shout that from the rooftops. It's like, this is what I'm doing. I know it's going to be hard, but I want the life to the full that Jesus has for me. And these things in my life that need to go. And those are the habits. And so we've been digging through this series we start off with a king, looking at a king whose life was wrapped around his whole lifestyle of bad habits. And his lifestyle of choosing the wrong things actually cost him his life at the end. And last week, Bark was here and he walked us through what it looks to start building good habits into our lives. That it's slow slicing success, meaning that it takes time. It's a pattern end of our life. And we looked at a guy named Daniel who had this amazing prayer life. We prayed three times a day for so many years. He didn't just wake up one morning and said, I'm a spiritual giant. Let me just rock this world with Jesus. No, he slowly, methodically in his life lived it out. And so when it came face to face in his life, he built the habit to stand against it. That's good habits. And today, we're breaking the bad. Right, we're breaking the bad habits. We're busting free from the habits that hold us down. And if we're honest and we look at them for what they are, they take our lives hostage. We can't go where God wants us to go. We can't be who we God wants us to be because these habits in our lives are holding us back. Now to be clear, breaking bad habits is just as hard as creating new habits we've talked about each week, the pathways we have and ingrained in our brains are already in place. And it's hard to not only just recognize for what they are, but jump out of that groove and start building new patterns of life. It's very difficult. And it's that very reason I believe breaking bad habits takes great courage. You have to be very courageous to break these bad habits in life. Courage to be different Different than how you always lived. Different than the other people around you that told you how you should live. That takes courage. Courage to face the truth. Face the truth by looking in the mirror and saying, okay, these don't honor God, and I need to make some changes. That's courageous. Courage to say no. No, I am not gonna live that way anymore. No, I am not going to live that in my life. No, I'm not going to live how you told me I should live. No. Encourage to change. Change the direction that we're going and go towards the direction that God desires us to live. And when we dare to do the work, we dare to put in the efforts and times and to change the patterns of life, sometimes, you know, that's going to bring a sense of Emptiness. That's gonna bring us a sense of loneliness, like we're all alone, like no one else is walking this life with us. It's gonna bring some doubt into our life, like did we make the right decision? I mean, I, now I, I don't have his friends like I used to. It's gonna bring fear, like I don't know if I can do this on my own, so I don't know if I wanna change anything. Breaking bad habits is super courageous. So as we dig in this morning, what are some of your bad habits? What are some of your bad habits in in your life? What are some of the habits you wrote on that card that we gave a couple weeks ago? They're like, ooh, I recognize these already. We all have them. What what are some habits in your life the future you would love to come back and smack you upside the head and say, get rid of these right now? Because they're doing you no good and leading you to a place you really don't want to go. Is it emotional eating? Every time you get upset, do you go to the fridge? Right? You go up to the bag of chips and you start chewing? I do that. In my house, there's a phrase that I use an open bag of chips is an empty bag of chips. Is it retail therapy? When pressure gets on, when you're stressed, do you just go spend money? Is it procrastinating? Not doing things that need to be get done is it being late? Is it texting while driving? Snap. <laughs> is it yelling at everyone? What are they? Is it poor poor relationship decisions? Is it hanging with the wrong people? Is it choosing your friends based on popularity? Is it cussing? Is it drinking? Is it drugs? Is it losing your temper? Is it gossip? Is it slander? I can go on and on and on, but I want to make it very practical friends because you and I can make this whole arching theory of like, yeah, we're going to break some bad habits. But until we put names to them and call them for what they are and say them, saying, okay, this is what it is, we'll never change. So what are yours? What are your habits that need to go away? This is what I want you to do. Everyone has them and right now you're thinking of a bad habit in your life, I know, because I can see the thought bubbles above all your heads. (laughs) Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell anybody. But I want you to hold on to that thought, that bad habit you're already thinking about. And as we walk through this conversation this morning, what I want you to do is hold to it. And so as we reveal how to bust free from bad habits, not only we know the pattern how to get out of your life, you already know what you need to get out of your life. Are you with me on that? You already know what needs to go. You already know what needs to change. And right now you're open to a passage of scripture that's gonna walk us through this, the book of Romans. The book of Romans was written by a guy named Paul. I love this book. He was a guy named Paul. He was a follower of Jesus who was sold out for Jesus. He shared the gospel with so many people. He walked around and planted churches. And he, he, that's who he was. In fact, he's probably one of the greatest missionaries who's ever lived. But that wasn't always true. There was a time in Paul's life where he hated the church. There was a time in Paul's life where he hated anyone who followed Jesus. He hated Jesus. He used to go around persecuting Christians, the way. And he used to imprison them. And he used, the scripture says in Acts that he's standing there while someone who's proclaiming to be a follower of Jesus, he is standing there with his arms folded, I say he did, and in approval that he was being stoned to death. That's who Paul was. And then one day he came face to face with the risen Christ and then everything changed. Jesus changes everything, friends. Yeah. And then he turned his whole life around and he lived this life to glorify God and reach people with the message of hope. And one of the ways he did that is he wrote letters. Romans is one of those letters. And he is writing to a group of believers, to those who said yes to Jesus, no to the world, who are living in this ungodly city of Rome. They lived their lives before this awesome God, but in the process, they, they created life patterns, habits in their lives that was not honoring the God they said they loved. And Paul is writing them, gives them a simple reminder, there is a difference between living busy and living obedient. There is a difference between living like the world and living like Jesus. And what we do, the habits that we live, greatly influence who we are and who we're becoming. So this is Paul's letter. This is his conversation to them. Look at chapter 13, starting at verse 11 on the screen, if you don't have your Bibles with you. It says, and do this. In understanding that the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of the darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual morality and debauchery, not in dissension or, and jealousy. For verse 14, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Let's just stop right there. Paul is reminding these followers of Jesus that Jesus' return is closer than ever. As every day goes by, there's one more day closer than Jesus is gonna return. Friends, Jesus one day is coming back. You can count on that. The scripture says it. We believe it. He is coming back and setting everything new. And when he does, it's gonna be an absolute glorious day. But Paul is reminding these followers of Jesus says that when he, did, when he does come back, man, you better have your lives screwed on straight. He's saying, wake up, church. From you, wake up from your slumber. You will call yourself a believer. You will call yourself a follower of Jesus. There is a part of your life that's being lived as if you're sound asleep. There's a part of your life that is not lived for the glory of God. There's a part of your life that you're living on autopilot and where it's taking you where you don't want to go. He's saying, wake up. Pay attention to the life that you've been given. You're living in a way that is, tell- is completely against what God's calling you to do. Wake up, church. Whew. Verse 12, he says, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness. Set aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. See, what Paul is telling us when it comes to us, breaking free from the bad habits in our lives is that it simply takes a habit to break a habit. It takes a habit to break a habit. Here's the scary things about habits. Our brains just watch what we do, the pattern of life we have, and then just put it into practice. It's just okay, this is what you want to do. We're gonna do it. We're gonna see it all the way through to the end. Habits never completely go away. They're not fully eradicated. They're forever ingrained into our brains. And when there's nothing else to take the place, the bad habit, we will always go back to it. Can't live in a vacuum. Just ask anyone who's ever quit smoking. They quit smoking, very, very hard habit to break. I know because I did it 20 some years ago. But as you quit, they quit smoking, there's things ingrained into the brain, they still do it 15, 20 years later, they're still holding a pen like a cigarette. They still tap it like they're getting rid of their ashes. Why? Because it's a habit that's been ingrained. It's a pattern of life they've been lived. They stop smoking, sure, but there's still things that happen in place. Put aside the deeds of the darkness, all the stuff in our lives that does not honor God, and yes, friends, that includes our bad habits. He says, get rid of it. Why? Why is Paul so adamant about us getting rid of the junk in our lives that doesn't honor God? He says, because Christ saved our souls. He says we deserve death and separation from God, but because of Jesus, we have eternal life. Paul is saying, because of this, because of this gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life that we have received, we need to get rid of the junk out of our lives. We were created for a purpose. On purpose, for a purpose. And that purpose is never our own. It's always his. It takes a habit to break a habit. We replace the bad habits with good habits. And there's a reason why we'd had that conversation last week. The reason why the head Bart was up here talking about creating good habits first So as we remove the bad habits out of our lives, as we fight to get out of that grain of that pattern of life, we already cultivated and created a good habit to replace it with. Because we can't have a void in life, we can't have a a vacuum in a life. We need to have something to replace it. So if it's overeating, replace it with healthy eating. Schedule your meals. You got to replace it with something. If it's too much social media. Are you finding all your days and your time is, is scrolling? Well, maybe you get off that phone and spend more time reading your, the scripture or reading a good book or spending time with friends or, or getting together with your family. If you have a bad habit of being lazy, is it laziness? Well, then go to work, <laughs> go do something, work out, exercise. It can go on and on. As we break free, friends, from the habits that are holding us back, we replace them with the ones that are going to catapult our lives forward to lives that God has for us. And as you do, you will see a new you. You will see a better you because you'll start seeing a Jesus you. And that's what God desires for every single one of you. It takes a habit to break a habit. And then we got to stop pulling the trigger. You think this is this crazy, but it's absolutely true. We got to stop pulling the trigger. Paul says, stop carousing and drunkenness and sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Why, why on earth would he say those things? Why would he call that stuff out? Well, because he knows. He knows in Rome that is the way of life. He knows that getting drunk and sexual morality, that's just what everybody does. He knows that it's encompassing the followers of Jesus. It's around them all the time. And what's happening because it's around them all the time, they start partaking in it themselves. He says, You gotta stop pulling the trigger. Can I just tell us? Knowing our environment is huge in our lives. Knowing what's encompassing our lives. Knowing that we have been, because we were middle of all the stuff around us, that we have a tendency that we can start doing what other people are doing. That we, we, what we, we become what we consume in life. We become like who we hang with In life. And I love how Craig Rochelle puts this. Let me read this. He says, Show me your friends, and I will show you your future. Why would he say that? Because the people that are in our lives are influencing our lives, and we're going to become more like who they are. And if they're people who live outside of God's will and on their own accord, then we're going to start looking like them. We have to pay attention to the triggers that are in our lives. And a trigger is simply this, let me explain it. It's anything that causes a reaction in our lives because of previous exposure to it. When we come up against it, we act a certain way like, oh, here we are again, I'm gonna go down this path. Here it is again, I'm gonna go down this path. And we all have that way of life when it comes to our bad habits. A trigger could easily be a location. You're at a certain place, so you do a certain thing. It could be a person you could be around a certain person and start acting a certain way. It could be a group of people. It could be a device. It could be a time when you're all alone so you do your own thing. Stop pulling the trigger. Once we identified these habits, we need to back them, put them back. Back them right up and understand why they actually happen. And once we come out of the way, we simply just need to remove the exposure from them, right? Move, remove ourselves from them. And if that's not fully possible, then we let Christ give us strength through them. What triggers What triggers us to talk about other people? When they're not around. What triggers us to talk to, to, to slander other people? What is it? Well, maybe it's because we're in in circles of people that love the gossip. And that's what they love to do. That's what they do. So when you're there, that's what happens. So what do you do? You leave that circle of friends that love the gossip. Say, see ya. And by the way, that's ungodly. I'm not gonna be a part of that. You remove it from your life. What triggers you to get drunk and drink too much? Is it going to the bars well, simple. Don't go to the bars, right? If that's a problem that you have, don't feed it. That's a trigger for you. What, what triggers you to have impure relationships? Is it being alone with them? Because you're putting yourself in a position where you can't win? Well, maybe you stop being alone with them, right? It's that simple. Like ah Melonia should be here because we're gonna do something we shouldn't be doing and doesn't honor God, so I'm not gonna do that. So you remove that, and if and if you can't control yourself and do that, maybe you should stop dating them. Oh, so practical things, isn't it, friends? We all want to do these big spiritual conversations, but this is so much reality. We need to find what the trigger is and get rid of it. Remove those things from our lives, have less exposure to them. Find out what they are, get rid of them. Simply this, when we need to stop letting our, our, our lives lead us and start running our lives. Because that's what habits do, they run our lives. And we need to stop letting it run our lives and we make conscious decisions to actually start running our own lives. Paul says this in verse 14. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. What he is saying, friends, is that there's an intentional decision that we can make. We can make a decision. We can make a decision to stop living this way. We can make a decision to fight and be courageous to get those out of our lives. But you have to make it. You as Individuals have to make decisions like this is what I want to do with my life. I mean, come on. We all want to be big girls and big boys, right? And so we bring in our big girl pants and our big boy pants and we pull them up and start living life. Well, maybe if we want to be adults about it, we fire what's on autopilot, right? Maybe it's time to give the eviction notice to the habit out of our lives. You have the authority to do that. Why? Because of Jesus. Say, in Jesus' name, Go. I'm gonna live for him, not for self. I'm gonna live for him, not for what the world says. I'm not gonna live for him regardless of what I've done in my past. That's what God wants to do for every single one of you. Bust free from what's holding you down, holding you back from everything that God has for you. And here's, here's what's amazing about this. As we start developing this pattern in our life, busting free from bad habits and growing and building good, good godly habits. Habits are contagious. Habits are absolutely contagious. Not only will other people start seeing differences in our lives and how we're living, how we're different than the world around them, we can point them up and say, Jesus... It's all about Jesus and what he's doing in my life. Habits are contagious. It will start, as we start building good godly habits, they'll start affecting other things in our lives. If you look back at this put off and put on principle that Paul does, he actually has written this into multiple parts of his letters. Very simply, he understands that we need it. He understands that we need to keep on putting off the junk and putting on the God, putting off the junk and putting on the God. Look what he says in the the church of Ephesus. How they're living a life in the darkness, indulging in desires of the flesh. He reminds them that's not how the church is called to live. Look at this chapter four, verse 20. He says, that, however, is not the way of life that you've learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in accordance to the truth that is in Jesus. Verse 22, you were taught in regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And look at this, verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. To be made new. The main dude indicates there's a process that takes place. We've been made new in Jesus, right? We give our life to him, but there's a process that you and I go through to become more like Jesus. Well, that's what it's like with our habits. We go through a process. You know, what's amazing about our habits is sometimes some of these habits we have, they, they're like social butterflies. They are. They enter our lives and they're coming in and they bring other habits with them. And it's kind of how we live. In his book, I'll just share this. In his book, The Power of a Habit, Charles Duhigg calls these habits Keystone Habits. He says Keystone Habits have the power to start a chain reaction and changing other habits as they go and built into our life. Just to be clear here, Charles Duhigg is not a Christian author. He's, this is not a Christian book, but what he says is absolutely true. As we start creating good, godly habits, new self habits, man, they become a catalyst in our lives. Now, I'm not a chemistry teacher, and I said this first service, and Kyle didn't cha- correct me, so I think I got it right. But a catalyst is, is, my understanding, is a substance that causes a reaction and change into something else without itself changing. That's a catalyst. Creating these good godly habits as a catalyst, they'll start affecting all these other areas of lives. And as we start changing one, it will bump us into another, and it will bump us into another. And we'll be be confronted with that one. We'll be confronted with this one, and it will start working its way through our life. Not just because we started with one, and it filters through the rest of them in our lives. Let me show what this means. I'll give you an example. This. Let's just say we let's look at reading the Bible for a second. If you and I choose to build a habit of reading the Bible, I believe the Bible, according to Scripture, what it says, it's live and active, and it will start working in our lives. It will draw us closer to Jesus, and we'll start living differently. I believe that's scripture, what Scripture does. But as you and I start reading the Bible and build this habit into our lives, we realize that the Bible confronts us on our parenting of our kids. That you and I as parents, we have responsibility to raise our kids and point them towards Jesus Christ, never relationship with God. And so in doing that, we decided, okay, I have a responsibility, so I'm going to start creating a habit to be with my kids more and work less. That's awesome. All because you started reading the Bible. Then it gets better than that. Now you're going to spend more time with your kids, so you start doing things at home as a family. So you started like, listen, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be home. We're going to have family dinners together. And we're going to hang out on the table. We're going to talk about life. We're going to start doing life together. So we start pulling that off. And then so you know you're spending more time together as a family. And guess what? You're spending more time with your spouse. And your relationship and your marriage with your spouse gets stronger. And everything starts to change in your home. Better attitudes, better atmosphere. Why? Because you started reading the Bible. Imagine that. Well, let's take it a little step further you continue to your habit of reading the Bible that you realize you're created for community. One of our core values out there on the wall is not just to have a nice little pretty picture, but it says you can't do life alone. That we want people in our lives. God, we're created to have people in our lives. So what we do, is we start coming to church. We attend church on a more regular basis because we need this community, the body of Christ together. By the way, regular attending, I want to talk about is a little bit different than what the world says. Right now, scripture, the world says that a regular attender at church is 1.6 times a month. I love Jesus, but I'm going to show up 1.6 times a month. Where'd they get 0.6? What, did someone send their legs to church one day? I don't know. But anyways, you start attending church on a regular basis. You send your kids over over to the kids' ministry. You're making new friends. They're making new friends. You realize you can't do this life alone, so you join a small group, and you start doing life together. You start growing spiritually. Your kids in our amazing kids ministry, they start growing spiritually, and they come to the point in their lives where they realize they need Jesus, and they pray, and they surrender their life to Jesus Christ. And it goes on, and on, and on. And what you realize when you look back 10, 15, 20 years prior is that you broke the chain, you busted a chain of brokenness in your family. Your whole family's going this way, but because you invested in just simply reading scripture, the lives of your life changed, the lives of your family changed, the lives of your children changed, and you changed the next generation and maybe even two generations. Why? Because you made the habit of reading the Bible. Man. Tell me that's not real. One habit forcing us to look all around us as we're honestly seeking God through His scripture, how He convicts us to change other areas of our lives, and how that has a chain reaction to so much more. Investing in our, our marriages, our families, our kids, our grandkids. I want that in my life. I want to know one day that my great grandkids love and follow Jesus. Because God broke the chain in my life and my wife's life. And we're first generation. Our kids are second. And you better believe I'm going to be in my grandkids' life speaking Jesus. I choose to read this and that's the same for every one of you that's the power of a habit so what I want you to do this morning is choose one choose one bad habit that needs to go one bad habit that needs an eviction notice one bad habit that's holding you hostage and get rid of it and replace it with the one that glorifies God because what we do, we hear messages like this. We understand like this. We think that we're going to walk out those doors and I'm going to say, I'm going to take on all my bad habits on at once. You've got another thing coming. It's kind of like those people who go to the gym or haven't been in the gym a long time or have never been in the gym. And they walk in and they have to puff their chest out, and say, so I'm going to do a mega workout. You laugh because you've done it. You walk in. You do all the machines too much. You do too many reps. And you wake up the next morning and you can't move because you're in so much pain. But what happens? You're in so much pain that you don't go back. You're in so much pain, it's been three weeks, and you still don't go back, so you quit. I don't want that for your life when it comes to change your life for Jesus Christ. So just choose one. Start somewhere and let God radically change where it goes from there, right? Don't walk out those doors while we'll having a conversation with him and say, this is what it needs to be. It's time for us, church, to wake up from our slumber. It's time for the church to be the brightest light in the darkest of days, and if 40% of our lives are on autopilot that we don't pay attention to, <clears throat> we better wake up and meet it. So right now I'm gonna ask the, the prayer team to come forward. I'm gonna ask them to come forward. And if you were here this morning and you're like, I have this habit in my life that I cannot get rid of, come forward. Come forward. They want to pray with you. They want to pray over you. They want to pray into your life. If you have no idea what's going on and you're like, okay, I just, I think I need prayer, just come forward. If you're struggling in an area of life, you have situations in life that you don't know how to walk to come forward. They want to pray with you. They want to encourage you. They want to walk with you. You can't do life alone. And if you're in this room, and you've never said yes to Jesus, and you want to flip the switch in your life, break the chain of brokenness in your family, it starts with him. It starts with you coming forward and praying and surrendering your life to him, making him the Lord of your life. If that, you, come forward. Please do not walk out those doors until you have a plan and you make it right with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to come and worship and praise you. You are so awesome. There's none like you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you sent your own son to die in our place. We thank you for that, surrendering our lives and believing who he is, that we can have eternity with you. The gift of grace, the gift of love, the gift of mercy, and forgiveness. God, as we think through what it looks like to live a life that honors you, as we're walking through this series, very practical series of understanding our habits are so powerful in our lives. I pray, Father, that we will come before you and bring them before you. That as your church will honestly seek you through getting rid of those bad ones and build God-glorifying ones. I pray that you give us the strength. I pray that we find the truth in your word. I pray for the reality that you do change everything. We just need to be open, listening, and willing to follow. I pray for anybody who here is struggling this morning, struggling with their heart, hardness of heart, separation, loneliness, that you will comfort them, that remind them that they're not alone, they have a family here. God, we lift this church to you. It's all about you. This is yours. Thank you for allowing us to be just a part and a glimpse of your glory as you continue to work through it. We love you. We worship you in your son's name. Amen. Church, God bless. Have an amazing week. We look forward to seeing you next week.